0: If we obey His Word, then we walk in the light. He is the way and the truth, and in Him is the light. If we obey His Word, then we walk in
1: Friends, how's everybody doing this morning? Hopefully, you're doing well. It's uh, not as rainy this morning as it was yesterday, but it is a little wet out there. But we'll take it. It makes the grass green, doesn't it? I'll be right back in just a second. I'm going to step away for just 30 seconds. In fact, maybe not even 30 seconds, but I stepped away there. and uh, just good to be with you. We're in the book of Acts today. And uh, we started yesterday in the book of Acts. Today we're talking about being strengthened and being sent, Acts chapter one. Uh, and I'm going to take us right over into there this morning. and uh, get us right into the text. I mean, we read I'll, I'll, I'll read what we read yesterday. Verses 1-5 through in my former book, Theophilus, Friend of God, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command do not leave Jerusalem, uh, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, reason I wanted to I wanted to read this section again is because of verse five. Verse 5, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We talked some yesterday about the idea that the Holy Spirit, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you are legitimately, truly, honestly uh, regenerate, uh, converted, born again, truly a follower of Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, we looked at that from Acts, from the Acts, but from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Uh, verse uh, 13 and 14, in fact, let me just pop those on the screen real fast. I know we looked at them yesterday, but these are significant verses that make their way into a doctrinal statement uh, of a church, uh, many churches that would have these verses in their doctrinal statement. Uh, let me take us over there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 And 14 says, and you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now there's a lot in this verse. Uh, You heard the word of truth, so the necessity of hearing the truth, the necessity actually of someone speaking the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal. So we have a responsibility. I mean, there's the, the human aspect of having believed. So we we believe uh, our part, and then when we believe God's part, is to mark us with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 says, Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of God's glory? A deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. We have a wonderful inheritance that we will that we will share together with Christ. And you're gonna hear noise, my associate Bucky is here saying, hey, I'm here. Uh, Sorry about that, the black lab doing his thing. But the idea of this inheritance, the wonderful inheritance, uh, Romans chapter eight speaks about the inheritance we share with Jesus, we are joint heirs, we share the glory with him. the glorious inheritance with him, I'll put it that way, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, 18, you can take a look at those. Uh, we have that inheritance. Uh, it guarantees. In other words, it cannot be taken away. The the point that Paul is driving at is the Holy Spirit will not be taken away. Salvation will not be taken away. Now, I know a few days ago, we had this big conversation about, um, it, may, it may have, in fact, I've had a few of these different conversations. You know, can we lose our salvation? Um, and I, I think we're way too quick oftentimes to say, nope, no way. And and yet we don't wrestle with, with verses that, that challenge, that press in upon us, having real, legitimate, true, bona fide, born-again, saving faith. But if you have that faith, we know we have this deposit that we're reading about right here that is given... Uh, guaranteeing our inheritance. We can rest assured in that salvation. But I would also say if if somebody is just kind of going along and say, well, I prayed when I was a kid. Now, I'm not really interested in Bible study. I'm not really interested in hearing about God. I'm not really interested in the church. I'm really not interested in uh, uh, God talk at all. Well, there's a good chance that person may actually not be saved. And I know that presses in against some of the teaching that we've received in the last century uh, as the doctrine of eternal security became so uh, prevalent. Uh, I'm going to press back and say, uh, I believe I believe this passage that we're looking at here in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, and 14 speaks to the issue of eternal security, but, but also many passages that we've looked at also speak about the necessity of true, bona fide, real faith. If you have the faith, you've got the deposit. If you have the faith, you have the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit was was what Jesus promised. Uh, All the way back in the book of John, we looked at those passages, John uh, John 13 through 17, the upper room discourse and and those wonderful promises about the the Holy Spirit that would be given here in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, the wonderful promise about the Holy Spirit who will be given. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he gets into to the rest of this passage. We're going to finish out chapter one this morning, and
0: he,
1: and here we go, verse six. So when they met together, they did what he said. When they when they met together, they asked him, "Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" And they're still waiting. They're still thinking that he is going to take Rome out of its power base. he's. They're still thinking that he is going to um, become the, the, the king of the world at this juncture. And he responds to them in verse 7. It says, it is not, uh, he said, uh, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you will be uh, taken from you into heaven. Will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Uh, there, there is much in this section, uh, and uh, we we're, we will lay some of it out at least and work our way through it. Uh, A, what about the restoration of the kingdom? No, not at this time. Uh, The millennial kingdom is yet to come. Now, there are good Christians, I just want to say this, there are good, solid believers who love Jesus uh, who do not believe in a millennial kingdom. Uh, There are those on a covenantal side that don't believe in a millennial kingdom. There are those on an Arminian side that don't believe in a millennial kingdom. Some believe that the kingdom of God is here and that when Jesus returns, it will be for final judgment. Uh, that is the position of some that is not my position uh, my position is that uh, there will be a tribulation period uh, there will be a uh, and prior to that I, I believe there will be a rapture uh although interestingly in the news of late uh, at least some of the news that i've been looking at the question is being asked especially among some christians who who do consider prophecy you know are we at the point in time when uh, are we about to embark on the tribulational period now? I actually watched a a news piece yesterday talking about money, uh, and uh, it's in the news. Uh, you see, uh, France aligning itself with China uh, and Brazil, and some of those countries. Uh, Marcone has recently said that uh, you know we need to we really need to get to one world currency. Uh, there is movement even here in America. It was announced by the Federal Reserve. I believe that was the department that announced that we are moving to into uh, um, cyber currency uh, that will now be recognized that they have made the statement that will eventually replace the hard cash dollar. Uh, there is movement afoot to, uh, to move... Uh, to move cash out uh, of the world and that everything would be cyber. In uh, fact, uh, they're tracking everything we do. And for those, are, I'm going to keep my cash. Well, guess what? There's going to come a day when your cash isn't going to be any good. Now, I got into all that uh, uh, from the idea that uh, when they're asking, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? uh and when he says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. There are things yet to come. That is the point that I want to make. There are uh, things yet to come. Uh, the world stage, w- stage will be established. I, I believe in a rapture. I believe in a, uh, a, a, a tribulational period. I believe in uh, a return of Christ uh, in the clouds. uh bringing down his church with him to establish his thousand-year reign on Christ. I, I believe in the battle of Armageddon. I believe in a final judgment. I believe in all of those things. And yet, there are good Christians who, who will disagree on some of those points. And, and so to verse 7, where Jesus says this, uh, "'It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority,' Now, we become so absolute sometimes in some of the things we believe. We think the churches always believe these things. Friends, some of the things that we believe have only become uh, theological uh, positions in the last hundred years. Uh, in fact, we, we talk about the Bible like it's always been there. Friends, the Bible has not always been there. Uh, in fact, it wasn't until the, the dawn of the printing press that. That the Bible began to get into common hands, into the hands of the common man, and so so that's why things like creeds and, and some of the like the Apostles' Creed that I see in Creed they were so important because they were tools of teaching theology. They didn't have wonderful podcasts like this. They didn't have um, uh, you know radio stations. They didn't have books. They didn't have all the stuff that we have today. We make the assumption. The people have always believed this way. No, theology has been unfolding as people have understood Scripture, as they've understood the seasons, as they've understood the times. I'm getting all this out of verse 7 and verse 8, uh, really out of verse 7. It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set. Yet the thing that Jesus has told us is be, is be watching and be ready. The time will come. Uh so what are we supposed to do? We're not going to know the times or the seasons. We're not going to know the time of the return of Christ. We're not going to know the time, if in fact the rapture, and that that is a relatively modern notion, concept, and theological position. Just for the record, it is not something the church has commonly always believed. It's only about 150 years old in its origins. The word rapture and even the theological teaching of rapture uh, in that way, uh, is is relatively modern. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples, "Watch and be ready." And then he taught this in verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, if he was on the earth for about ten days, uh, no, I'm sorry, for about forty days, we know that it is about ten days later at the 50-day mark, because there's 50 days from uh, Passover to Pentecost, Pentecost being uh, the feast of weeks, Jewish feast of weeks. It is not a a New Testament thing. It is an Old Testament holiday. And so there were people in Jerusalem for that holiday, and we'll get to that when we get to chapter 2. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, It says, "You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth." And and the interesting thing is when it says this uh, that that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem. uh, You think about how they would be, uh, how they would be, um, in Jerusalem, prayerful in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit would come upon them, uh, and they would speak. Uh, in other languages. Now, I think about that from my time in South Sudan as I listened to people speaking in so many different languages and and as they prayed together as a church in a variety of different Jewish tribal languages uh, and all praying at the same time. Uh, And it was like listening to people in tongues, but they were languages. And uh, it it was incredible to, to see this. And that was the experience that the disciples would then have, or the apostles would have when we get over to Acts chapter two, be witnesses. Uh, they didn't have to go looking for it. They didn't have to have an event to do it. Uh, you know, self-created marketed event or anything of that nature. No, uh, all they all they had to do was the Holy Spirit came upon them and they became witnesses of Jesus. But notice, again, the, the progression of the places. Sorry for the little extra noise in the background. Bucky decided to lay beside me and chew on a bone. Uh, it says this. Um, Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to all the ends of the earth. And, and we understand that like concentric circles. And there's the word concentric. Here to here to here all the way out and. And it doesn't say go and do witnessing. It says you will be witnesses. And so a question I have is uh, what type of witnesses for Christ are we uh, with our lives? Uh, I'll share this. I didn't put it on Facebook. And it, it is, it's kind of a little bit of a stinky analogy. Uh, and there's a little bit of a pun in what I just said. But, but I mean it. Uh, I took my dogs for a walk uh, two days ago uh sunday afternoon went for a walk and as we walk on the rail trail here in belfast hang on a second i'm going to move bucky's because it's too noisy Well, that didn't work. I took him out in a different room, and he came right back in. Uh, but walking my dogs on this on a rail trail and, uh, in Belfast, love to walk there. Uh, and one of the things you're supposed to do uh, when you walk your dogs is if they defecate, you're supposed to pick up uh, their litter. Uh, their, what is left behind, literally behind, uh, just says, you know, you're supposed to poop, the, scoop the poop. Uh, And I will do that because I want to keep the rail trail neat and tidy for other people to enjoy. Well, as we were walking, we came across somebody else's pile of poop. So uh, I went ahead and stopped and picked up the poop because I didn't want other people who were on the trail to think badly about those of us who have dogs. And those people with dogs, they don't pick up after themselves, blah, 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 you know, and that type of a thing. And I got thinking about you know it's kind of like in the Christian life when when, when it, it sometimes we're going to have poop uh, sometimes there's going to be stinky stuff in our lives and we need to learn how to pick up after ourselves so that we won't so that we won't be a bad witness and uh, so that uh, uh, others won't not want to follow Christ and. Um, The same can be true with uh, picking up behind other people. Sometimes we even have to pick up behind other people because we don't want people on the path, people maybe on the path toward Christ, on the path toward following Christ, to have a bad experience and cause them to go, well, those Christians, look, at they always leave their mess behind. I mean, we're sinful people. There's no doubt about it. We are sinful people. Uh, we we do leave messes, and, and the smart thing to do is if if we have a little mess, we need to lift, pick up our mess, uh, and and leave that mess behind, and uh, not uh, so that we're we're not turning other people away from Christ. Sometimes we even have to pick up other people's messes. Why? All so that we'll be a witness. Now I, I know that that's maybe a. A bad analogy, friends Saying good analogy, but but you get the point, you know. When you leave a mess, pick up your mess. You mess up, you fess up, you mess up, to pick up the mess, and you, so others aren't stepping in your mess and saying, "Well, why would I want to be a Christian?" Look at or other people's messes. Sometimes we we need to pick up those other people's messes. You see me? You you see my face? I'm here with, I'm here with the. Uh, Trying to pick up this bone so that Bucky will not make so much noise, but he's sitting here looking at me like I know it's up there. I'm just waiting for him to jump up, get on the screen, so he can grab what's down here. And uh, anyway, sorry about that distraction this morning. Um, you know, Claire, I'm not so sure about that. Claire is making a statement here, and I, I'm, I'm gonna—I I will comment on what I mean. She's saying we are sinners, but true believers will confess their sins. There are people that I know are true believers that sometimes I'm not sure how much they confess their sins. You know, I I don't I don't know how much we think about our sins sometimes as true believers. I, I'm just commenting on on what you're saying there, uh, and I'm not doubting some of those people's faith. I'm not doubting their sincerity. You know, I I've studied the Bible some, but sometimes you just wonder, do you? Do you confess your sins? And uh, uh, we should be. I agree that we should be. That as true believers, we should be aware of our sins. As true believers, as followers of Jesus, we, we need to daily confess our sins. I, uh, confession is a daily thing, sometimes multiple times during the day. Uh, and, and sometimes I'm not sure how well we do at doing that. Okay. Moving on in the passage, being witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, um, being witnesses all around us, uh, even to the ends of the earth, that we would be witnesses in Belfast, that we'd be witnesses in Moral, that we'd be witnesses in Belmont, that we'd be witnesses uh, wherever we go, and, and that we are called to this global uh, aspect of what we do. And, and uh, so that that's part of why I have uh, taken that move uh, to be more globally engaged uh, because of a call of God that is part of it. The general call of God, like we read here in this passage about witnesses to the world, but also a more specific call of God to be engaged globally. Verse nine says this, uh, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky, and I've, I've commented about this before. Sometimes we do stand around looking up at the sky. I know some Christians that will stand, and I remember this in Bible college, some some of the, 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 the Bible students, the pastoral students would be there. They're going to solve all the theological issues that they haven't solved for millennia, uh, and standing there almost kind of like looking up at the sky or trying to figure out all the points of eschatology Well, there were others of us who were going out to the streets of Lancaster to share Christ with people. Sometimes we we stand there looking intently into the sky. We we go to church services. You go to Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night. We don't do all those services anymore. But we go to all those services uh, and and look around, looking up at the sky. But we have work that we're supposed to do. Verse 11 says uh, this, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back, and in the same way, uh, you've seen him go into heaven. I mean, go do what he told you to do is kind of the, the message that the angels are giving. Now, let's finish this out here, uh, if we can. There, it seems like there's a lot to read here uh, no, I'm not going to go further. I'll do Acts chapter one, part three tomorrow, I guess, because we're almost at the end of the hour. Uh, we'll we'll pick up there tomorrow. But but may we be challenged when how we're witnesses? May we be challenged to to pick up after ourselves and not leave the stinkiness of our of our sins and our mistakes and our attitudes and our actions behind. Uh, and sometimes we may have to clean up after other people because our our burning. Concern is that there not be a bad witness for Christ, and, and that we're concerned and burdened that that uh, you know that, that people walking on life's path uh, aren't dissuaded from the path toward Christ because of the way we live our lives. May we be a sweet aroma. May we be a pleasant aroma. May may what we demonstrate in our life and in our lips be something that, that would point other people to want to follow after Jesus. Friend, you have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit's power. Let's live in that, sp- in that power today, in that HS power, that Holy Spirit power today that we might be witnesses. Be witnesses, not just witness, but our lives themselves would be a witness for Christ. Lord, help us today to live for you. Help us today to walk with you. Help us today to be witnesses of you. Help us today to be yielded to the Spirit, that we might bear the fruit of the Spirit. All for the glory of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, that's a wrap today. I will see you tomorrow. We'll pick back up in Acts chapter 1, verse 12.